feel like punctuality gives me anxiety. Like I'm very like, like if I'm walking to a movie and the movie starts in 10 minutes and I'm a 15 minute walk away, I'm like running. Like I do yeah. not want to, I do you, not want to miss anything. Jewish? Jewish, yes, of course. Okay, exactly. Neurotic, of <laughs> course. <laughs> with, with, with that type of t-shirt sense of humor and that type of story about running to the movies, you must be Jewish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Jeff, like, Jeff has been clocked way, officially. I'm like on my way to IFC Center, but for some reason I took the train to like Union Square and I'm like running from Union Square to IFC Center to catch like the David Lynch documentary or some <laughs> bullshit like four years ago. I, I'm running from uh, Union Square to IFC Center. <laughs> it is my temple, IFC Temple. Um, wait, wait. So wait, let me to tell me what's happening here because I have I was delinquent in my duties of joining you fellas at. 10 a.m. my time, which is actually, I requested that time, but for some reason I thought I requested 11. So I'm now 41 minutes late. <laughs> Have you guys been recording 40 minutes of an episode that you're going to air anyway, or is this going to be the beginning of the episode and everyone's going to be like, well, this is minute one and Eugene's apologizing for something and they're not yeah. even going to get that I'm 40 minutes late because they'll be like, he's right on time. And, <laughs> and, and I will be the official dingus of the show. Well, we didn't start recording, but uh, so this would be the beginning. But the thing is, is we're a non-linear podcast, so we don't know where this is going to end up. We're just going to, this may be like half of this conversation, half of this sentence may be in the first five minutes and half, it's kind of like a, a naked lunch situation. You know what I mean? <laughs> really? Just kind of shred it up. Non-linear uh, podcast. Maybe. Okay. Is this a creepy frozen man holding a fidget spinner? Is that correct? <laughs> yes. No. So that behind me, that picture, um, that <laughs> is my buddy, Tyler. He went to Germany and lived in Germany for two years. Yeah, he did. And he, he like wrote um, free like articles about like, 3D printers. So he worked with like 3D printers and writing about them. And they printed when he was in Germany, this massive fidget spinner and it actually works. And it's a video. This is a still from the video, wow. but he's, he's really like big. spinning it. Yeah. He, he's spinning it. And I posted it on Instagram like four years ago. And it has like, like 700 or 800,000 views. It went like super viral like I didn't have that many followers at the time, maybe like a thousand followers. And it, it may be my vote, most viral video. Damn. And I like put like audio, like really blown out, like, a, like, you know, kind of like, like the ear, like, like great boosted. shit. Yeah. Like a bass boosted <laughs> version of my friend Wilson, like drunkenly singing, uh, Mr. Brightside, like slowed down behind it. Wow. And it just went insane viral. Your, like, really your friend, your friend Wilson is uh, an actual person or just a beach volleyball? <laughs> uh, he, he actually, it is a beach volleyball. The, the photo it's, makes it's, him it's, look it's, like a real person, but it's kind of just the lighting. And he is actually a, a volleyball. The thing is, is um, he's actually just... Um, the top of a floppy hat and eyes and a fence. <laughs> but uh, that's that's his home life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for anyone who hates movies, I'm just putting this out there. I'm a filmmaker, right? Uh, you guys saw my movie Spree or maybe some other movie I made. And I'm also a movie fan. 
So hmm. a reference like Wilson, which is, uh, you know, reference to an esoteric film called Castaway, starring mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, directed by Robert Zemeckis, in which Tom Hanks is uh, stranded on an island with a bunch of FedEx packages. And one of those packages has a Wilson Beach volleyball. And, and he makes this volleyball his friend because he's lonely. He talks to the volleyball and he gives the volleyball a face with some dirt, some clay, some clay. And that is the reference I was making mm-hmm. in case anyone was confused. It's real art house fair. Our, our well, stupid since- fucking listeners probably don't really know much about movies. Well, no, again, I'm not trying to hate on your listeners. It's just that I, at this point in human history and w- c- cultural history, I don't assume anyone knows anything about movies. Since that's true. It is, uh, sure. well, that's what right. we're doing like a hot, I, I, I threw in like a highbrow, lowbrow thing where then I referenced a majorly popular network uh, sitcom, Home Improvement, starring Tim Allen, where mm. he grunts like, oh, ho, 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 ho. I actually didn't and, get uh, the Home Improvement <laughs> reference. Oh, because he's Wilson behind the fence, the neighbor Wilson. Yeah, yeah, the guy's name is Wilson. That's a oh, deep cut. Okay. That's a deep yeah, cut. That's, that's, a deep, that's beautiful. beautiful. It's a highbrow, lowbrow thing. Yeah. We're trying yeah. to hit the mainstream and the niche audiences. Yeah. So our, our, li- highbrow. Our, our listeners mm. know that by now that we have a filmmaker on our podcast right. who is not right. one of the three usual hosts. They might be getting a little confused at this point. So Jeff, would you like to introduce our, uh, our, our guest this week? Yes. Uh, today we're joined by a very special guest, Eugene Kotler Yank. Kotler Yanko. No, 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 it's, it's, it's cock your Yanko. Hey. Cock your Yank, mm-hmm. yank your cock. Hey, yank, oh. yank your cock, bro. Um, yeah, exactly. Bro, <laughs> see when I'm I just yank, yank your cock, bro. Yeah, <laughs> th- this is definitely helping with my my mild dyslexia. But um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks for coming on, Eugene. Uh, I know you mentioned Spree. I've I've watched all of your films except I have not seen the first film. It's uh, unavailable. It's it's unavailable. That was the issue. Uh, it's too good. Yeah, it, right. invented, mm. it invented too many things, and so the Hollywood elites, the the the, the pedo, the circles of the Hollywood yeah, pedophilia, the cabal, uh, the cabal, they actually suppressed it because it invented, uh, you know, computer cinema, screen mm. cinema, mm. screen mm. cinema. Yes, yeah. It 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 was the first ever to do that in 2010. It was called Zeros and Ones. You did invent yeah, phone screens. Only. Yeah, I think you did invent phone screens and iPhones and video calls. Is that? Am I correct in saying that? I don't know that? if I invented those things, but I I certainly tried to incorporate them into uh, cinematic storytelling. Ah. very early, very early on. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, what I what I had heard is that uh, the only existing remaining copy of zeros and ones uh is with uh jerry lewis's clown holocaust movie in a state in harvey weinstein's yeah. safety deposit box yeah the it's, David not <laughs> it's in harvey weinstein's safety deposit box it's not supposed to be released until 2075 and it's going to be uh it's going to be digitally released when sundance goes fully digital you're actually uh, a bit behind on the news right before martin shkreli went to jail he purchased the only physical copy no! of the Zero One, and then he sent it to his reporter girlfriend partner. <laughs> now, I, I, I recall you mentioned uh, used the word partner earlier, Jeff. Uh, I did. You, you feel comfortable with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I do. Um, you know, it's. 
I, I love do you, like, have a Southern... do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend? I have a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, do you think she would find it demeaning if you called her your girlfriend? I do not. Um, I kind of interchange it. I, yeah. uh, they're in like She's a, a cowboy kind of relationship. Well, I was gonna say it's a southern. It's a southern. I it's love like a southern Clyde kind of partner. Yeah, partner. yeah. yeah. Um, where, where are you from? Tennessee or Texas? Where are you from? I'm from Florida, actually, oh, South Florida. Florida, which is very not southern. Tallahassee. You know? Well, so I was born in Miami, <laughs> and I grew up in a suburb of Fort Lauderdale, which is very not south. But I well, did south live. Florida. South Florida, but I did live in Pensacola for two years, which is right. very bi- Bible Belt, Alabama y. Oh, yeah. Like, and that's I where went, accent comes from, Pensacola. It's that two years in Pensacola. Well, people tell, tell me that I have, <laughs> in the formative years of college southern, when, the, yeah. when the syllables start developing. You, you, know, yeah. you, have a, you have a southern accent, kind of like Harmony Kareen has a southern accent. Oh, you know? uh, yeah. People tell me that I have a southern accent and I don't hear it. I just think I sound, I sound like. I listened to too much Tom DeLonge when I was like 11. Right. Nasal. And, and, develop, and learn pronunciations wrong, you know, like just <clears throat> yeah. say words wrong all the, the time. Way, the way like, that nasal uh, Jews like us talk does sound inherently kind of like turn of the century pop punk singer. Mm-hmm. It's like, it is. Hey guys, let's go to the mall, guys. Every time we talk, it just sounds like we're singing. I'm crying in my room, guys. Uh, you got to keep yourself in the front of the mix. You know what I mean? Those those <laughs> nasal frequencies. You got to cut through those guitars. I mean, that being said, um, Are you a music head. I, oh, I yeah. Am, yeah. oh yeah, absolutely. I am from around where like Newfound Glory is from, so it is that whole like like South Florida nasal. Right. No, I love that. I I went to a middle school and high school on Long Island. So I don't know if anyone's familiar with Lies, the Long Island emo scene, but uh, I shot some uh, behind-the-scenes verite material of Taking Back Sunday Ooh. and some of the spinoff bands from that group. Uh, Straight Light Run. <laughs> that's right. I actually made a documentary about that band that aired on MTV2. It was the first time I ever got paid uh, to do anything related to my uh, love of cinema. Does that still and exist? I absolutely. Is that able to be I watched? I absolutely watched it. I watched that. You watched sure. that in, in, when absolutely. it happened? I made Absolutely. that. Wow. So you actually are more familiar with my work than you thought. <laughs> well, even even more so because I'm a I'm a huge like for years now James Ferraro fan and uh-huh. when I watched the films and then saw the music videos, like, you know, I in 2010 I bought like like what is it Last American Hero, the album with the Best Buy cover. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. you know, I've I've known of him prior to being aware of your work. So then making the connection, I was like, oh shit, this is very, very cool. Like, of course, well, I'm about that. not that I was really into the emo scene and I'm not accusing you of being into the emo scene, but clearly this was <laughs> adjacent to our social and cultural existences. Think about that emo to Ferraro pipeline. Mm, that must sure. be quite common. Mm-hmm. Well, also is. I feel like you and I are not... Um, we're definitely in the same generation age-wise. So we I'm kind 34. Of, you're 34 and I'm I'm 31. I turned 32 in a month. So hey, that's super cool. So it's congrats, like, guys. You know, congrats, guys. It's even <laughs> my, my girlfriend, she's 35. So it's like even uh, her, like the cultural touchstones are there. Like, hey, you know, little, all grew up. Mm-hmm. So she's older than you? 
I would recommend yeah. I would recommend you actually show her a little bit more respect and refer to her as your partner. Own, own. Jeff just got fucking own. The thing is, is like, I hear her refer to me as her boyfriend, but she's a therapist and she's working from home now. So sometimes, like, I can hear the sessions through the wall, and I feel like professionally, she usually says partner. Right. Uh, So that's what I try to do on the podcast, but it's interchangeable. She wouldn't be mad either way. Professionally. Saying partner is kind of good because it gives you a little bit of uh, genderqueer street cred where mm-hmm. someone who doesn't really know you personally might think like, oh, they have a partner. They uh, Maybe their partner is a they. Maybe uh-huh. their partner is same sex. Maybe their partner is transitioning. And maybe their partner is just the old school sort of heteronormative bullshit. Right. We don't know. We're not going to speculate too much on it, but somewhere in the back of our mind, we're going to file it in as partner. And maybe this, maybe this uh, hetero, straight, white male could be a little bit more interesting than we thought. There you go. Well, exactly. I could have also just been like, Gender oh, studies. you're like, do you, your partner, do you have a girl, a girlfriend? And I could have been like, no, I work at a law firm. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, li- I live in a law firm yes. and my partner had rearranged the, the, you know, that's a little bit like we are where Doug is living at the virtual reality arcade. Yeah. Yeah. I, was li- I was living there. I was living. I was going to say, I heard you say that in an interview with, uh, with Vish. I watched on your IG uh-huh. and you're talking talking about living i think it was with this i watched another interview yeah he came by YouTube. when i was living there and we fucked around like we had some fun at the virtual reality arcade and i said you know i think i'm gonna make a movie here i'll write you a role you can be the evil scummy boss and, <laughs> so, that, and so the arcade like, the arcade like existed it was like a place you were living and staying at so you built the movie around the arcade oh i was build. oh yeah i was helping to put the arcade together like to make mm-hmm. it into a real uh, arcade super center in mm-hmm. the heart of Midtown Manhattan. But wait, before we get into my movies, I just want to say one more thing. Did you see the speech by uh, your great governor, uh, Dron DeSantis? Oh, he's the fucking dude. He's I don't know. I don't know too much about him. I know he was like a hardcore Trumper and he did some questionable things, but he did give a um, speech a few days ago. That was like, they just instituted a law in, in Florida. It's like an anti-tech monopoly law that does not mm. allow tech to de-platform anyone. I don't actually understand how it would work. <laughs> like only in Florida, you're going to be able to access every de-platform oh Twitter user, every band, every shadow band Instagrammer. If you're within mm. the uh, you know geolocation of Florida. The sovereign state of Florida. They're just setting it up for secession. They're like, they're ready to, to split everyone. off. But he said something really funny. He said, he said, I'd rather be governed by the first 50 people in the Tallahassee phone book than these tech overlords, Damn. these tech CEOs. And I thought that's funny. I'd rather be governed by the first 50 people in the Tallahassee phone book than the tech <laughs> CEOs. I don't know if I would take that. I mean, a, those A last names, with you know, A-last are they trustworthy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Aaronson, one. Ar- Johnny Aardvark, fucking yeah. <laughs> You like you? Johnny I would never Aardvark. trust a motherfucker named Johnny Aardvark. Are you fucking kidding me? That sounds like a well, sounds like okay, a pickup look, artist. Johnny Aardvark or Mark Zuckerberg? I don't know. A fucking Samantha Aronson or Jack Dorsey? I mean, what are you gonna do? What do you want, my friend? It's, I would trust. I would trust a, 
I would trust an aardvark Zuckerberg, like a aardvark like Zuckerberg, him, a version of him in the Arthur show, like an yeah. animated version. I would yeah. trust that, bro. Don't now don't, back to don't be Dennis giving away Arth- my indie bands names on the podcast yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Aardvark Zuckerberg. Yeah, aardvark. that's gonna be actually honestly kind of good. That honestly sounds like a James Ferraro song. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I could open I up Babies person- All Right with that name. Right, I could get. On I think the that person follows me on Instagram. The Ar- Ardvark Zuckerberg follows me on Instagram. Ardvark Zuckerberg four twenty. On Twitter, they're verified. Yeah. They got a thousand followers. Verified at a also, thousand. Okay. I was also going to say, Eugene, speaking, tying the partner and us, you and I, all in together in are some we weird. Eskimo? Are we Eskimo brothers? No, okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> but, probably not. I mean, Go I ahead. live in New York. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. I, I, don't have, I don't know how to have sex. <laughs> right. Well, nobody does. We know. I mean, you made a whole movie about it. I've ever had sex is when I simulated it in my films. Right. That's actually... Well, right, if, right. Any, if any listeners out there can, can like... Slide into Eugene's DMs to tell oh. Eugene what sex is like. Yeah, oh, I'm, just, mad, I'm madly in love right now, and I don't want any temptation. Okay, we know your will okay. is just like a fucking thread. We, we, you know, we that's only have snap uh, like crazy. Our whole audience are uh, are incels. male in, incels, so it's all yeah. good anyway. Intellectuals. I was going to say the uh, so you, me, and my partner the synchronicity that ties us all together, which also is very we are-esque, is that you told me today is your dad's birthday. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you just oh, remember? Shit. February 6th is my dad's birthday. This is so bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I fucking am late for this show, and I forgot my dad's birthday. I didn't even send him an e-card. I think Damn. I have to, I think I have to make, an make a jib-jab. Right that's where okay, I fucked I up. It's, so, called, it's called one, two, three greeting cards. Nice. Right? That sounds like it's going to steal spot. your social security number. It, did, it already did. <laughs> so, now I have no it. so the, the synchronicity is my dad's birthday was also this week. And my partner's dad's birthday was yesterday. So all of our dad's wow. birthdays are in the same February week. February dads. You know what they say? What a, what a, what a very uh, cool gay thing. I know it's so gay. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's, actually it's not gay. It's not gay. Let's not use that uh, term. It's very bro, but actually right. it's, if you guys are calling spree, Kurt uh, has this great line where he says, um, uh, must be a universal coincidence. And so that's probably, right. Right. Uh, yes, and of course. Speaking, speaking of Kurt and spree, my plan, I, I had a plan that I did not execute. It did not work out. But when you told me it was your dad's birthday today, the day of the podcast, this day of my of my uh, podcast, this day of of my daughter's podcast and my father's birthday (laughs) of my father's birthday. My plan was I initially was going to try to buy your dad a cameo birthday wish. Wow. And the the (laughs) initial inclination was to check if Joe Keery was on cameo which would have been expensive i'm sure joe keery uh, is not like that joe keery is 
a great guy. Joe Keery is a very talented guy. And Joe are you Keery, saying people on Cameo are, are great? Is, yes, absolutely. Joe Keery is going, going places. Uh-huh. I think the oh, people, absolutely. I think the people who are on Cameo went have been to places. Yes, and they're going to Cameo. Yes, Joe Keery right. has not even been to a quarter of the places that he'll be at. He yeah. is. He's um. He's a he's a wonderful guy. Uh-huh. He's a really talented guy. I predict on this podcast. Why don't you guys intro the podcast? Or do you guys ever do that? Um, depends. Anyway. Okay. Welcome okay. to another episode depends. of You Wouldn't Download a Podcast. This will be in the beginning, absolutely, when we splice it up. Um, okay, non-linear. We do love that. Yeah, a lot of editorial yeah. work. We appreciate the editorial work. Anyway, Joe Keery, I predict, will, in the next 20 years, win an Oscar, win a Grammy. Wow. <laughs> Second. Win he got Tony. In, that, in this order. Got, and win a fucking Emmy. Wow. He got no, but no Golden Globe? EGOT. No, no, no you don't MTV need to, you don't movie award? Oh, yeah, EGOT and a Golden Globe. And, <laughs> and, um, uh-huh. and also just be a really great guy the whole time. The whole time he's doing it. And that's the there. biggest award of all, I would say. Just being, yeah, just being like everyone just likes you. Everyone thinks you're great. Everyone, yep. not really too many bad things to say about you. Everyone, you know, you're going to have some haters. You're going to have some jealous people. But Comes at the end of the day, he's a, a beautiful, he's a dope soul whose vibe you crave. Yo. See, this is, this Re- is the real, this is, this is the real people's choice awards. Like, this right. is like, it's like real emo versus emo. It's like, this is the real award. Yeah. I just want to go back to the fact that I, I called the the universal coincidence between my father, your father, and your partner's father, gay. I uh, was talking to uh, the person I'm in love with uh, the other day, and um, we were talking about how gay and bro and like shoe horse theory are kind of the same things now. Yeah, like say something is like well, super bro and then super gay, and it's like the same thing essentially. Shoehorse. They're, they're on the same. They're yeah, leaning against say? the same thin <laughs> said, apartment wall. You said shoehorse theory. Is it a horse? Yeah, shoehorse. Exactly. <laughs> you know, shoehorse theory. Yeah. yeah. I, thought, I thought it was. The, oh yeah. <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was the perfect adjective because I was trying to tie it into we are and say that you, me, and my partner are all going to make out and uh, have sex. Whoa! Well, spoilers. First off, yeah, first yeah, off huge spoilers. I don't like stuff like that. <laughs> oh. Well, I was, you know, you got to you you dip your... You think my movie is just all the things I like and none of the things I don't like? Oh, yeah. See, what, people, what people don't get is I am making fun of all the people and all the things in my movie. And um, they get confused when I'm in the movie because they think I'm just kind of like, hey, this is a diary of my life, guys. Uh, this is a confession. I'll, I'm just recreating things that happened to me. I'm like, uh, and I thought in v, we are by not putting myself in it, unlike my movies, uh, Wonderful Cloud and A Wobble Palace and Feast of Burden. I thought it would be clear to, you know, the viewers that uh, I don't like threesomes, you know, and I, I don't like fetuses. <laughs> that's that's, the, that's what you're railing <laughs> against in We Are is anti-threesomes. And I, I don't like, I, Threesome and, I, culture. and actually in the movie, I hate virtual, uh, the, the movie hates virtuality, but in real life, I do love it. And uh, anyway, I thought people wouldn't get confused, but you know, it's hard to separate the art from the artist. Right. And it's even harder to separate the tweets from the artist. Mm, it's harder true. to separate the... Um, the one horrible thing the artist ever did from all of the artists work. We know how hard that is. Right. Uh, what, well, I, wait, I'm a little wait. surprised because I was, you know, we're going to start, uh, you know, talking about your films and, uh, you know, I was watching, you know, wobble palace and a wonderful cloud. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. I was completely, 
your your characters that you play or, are just perfect, uh, completely redeemable characters with no flaws. Yeah. And I'm surprised okay. to hear you say that you're so against their actions in the film because I completely support everything that they did in both of those films. Well, that's a really beautiful testament to you are soon going to get canceled. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Thanks so, for the warning. Pending. Yeah, uh, it's more like an omen, really. Mm-hmm. Um, first, first, you have to get super successful and famous. Then you can get your life destroyed. Okay. So gotcha, gotcha. It's, okay. A, it's a beautiful trajectory. Sure. That, uh, you know. um, I was going to say, you know, the filmmaker Paul Morrissey, who uh, you know collaborated with Andy Warhol and like some of the most famous sort of Andy Warhol narrative films that they made with the Factory Stars, mm-hmm. so Trash, Flesh, Heat, Blood for Dracula, Flesh for Frankenstein. I think these are great movies. He went on to make movies on his own, Mixed Blood. It's very good. It was uh, before or after he was in the Smiths. Yeah, no, this is way before uh, Paul Morrissey formed the Smiths. This is when he was five years old. Um, <laughs> um, so he, you know, these movies are like a amazing, especially uh, the trilogy Trash, Flesh, and Heat. They star uh, little Joe D'Alessandro as a uh, sort of male prostitute junkie living in squalor and uh, living a highly immoral life mm-hmm. uh, so that he can get his fix and get uh, and bust a nut. Um, and you know, these movies are incredibly hilarious and, uh, easy to kind of like romanticize the squalor, especially if you think back to kind of like the vice era of culture Mm. where sort of like, you know, slumming it and being a sort of like a aesthetic looking junkie chic vibe, (laughs) um, you know, Terry world, all this sort of garbage, um, it was, I think, for fifty years, maybe it was really easy to romanticize the those films and kind of like what is going on in them. And you know, there's a lot of uh, transgender people, uh, women saying very funny things mm-hmm. in those films. Uh, Hollywood lawn, etc. Anyway, um, Paul Morrissey himself was like a quote unquote devout Catholic and a hardcore conservative, Nixon loving conservative. Um, and his whole thing was that he made these movies to expose the um, horrific and morally bankrupt nature of youth culture. You know, mm. uh, it wasn't even hippie culture, right? Because the cool thing about sort of like Velvet Underground, Warhol, late sixties superstars is that they're don't they're not like we love love and peace. They're like we hate life, nihilistic, and we just want to be on amphetamines yeah. and heroin. But but you know, his whole thing was that he was just ma- making fun of these people. There was no love lost. He actually wanted to satirize and expose the horrors of the existence. And guess what? Some people can get that from the movies, and some people can just have a good time watching the uh, you know kind of uh, slumming exploit. Mm-hmm. All of that is just to say, um, sometimes the intent, the tonal and uh, sort of comedic and satirical intent of a filmmaker can kind of be lost in translation. Hmm. Or maybe it's nice that art is open to interpretation and that, you know, whatever uh, quote-unquote message is there is only relevant when it's articulated in some stupid interview later. Right. Know, because, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of talked about this not, not that long ago on the podcast because I feel the same way. Like, I, when I had, like, 
just started making memes and like growing my Instagram account. I had maybe like a thousand or 2000 followers. Well, I how many, how many saw, do you have now? You talk about the old days, like, the, you know, but how many followers do you have now? I have 41 K I think. Uh -huh. Point something, um, 41 point something. I think I had 41.1 and then I didn't post for a couple of weeks and it went back to 41. How did that you make you feel? Um, we had to console Jeff. Yeah. I worked through <laughs> it in therapy last week. But, um, Do you have any erotic um, feelings about your therapist? I have only, I started therapy somewhat recently and it's right. all been, it's all been uh, phone calls, not, not video calls. So I have no, I don't see any. Did you, you Google their name? Uh, I I think I've I've seen what they look like, but I don't. It doesn't like stick with me the memory of it. Um, Jeff's like uh, Jeff's like Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love. He like doesn't understand what phone sex is. I don't need yeah. I, I don't need to like envision yeah. a person. It's like you, you know, think you're going to a therapist, but it's actually <laughs> phone sex, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> that's why well, he's wearing that Soprano shirt. That's I mean, what I'm he, saying. There's the, the laden stuffs no, there. Uh -huh. definitely no is. wonder. No wonder it's so expensive. Is all I have mm -hmm. to say. Right. Um, yeah. Look at you. But, is, is this a visual podcast at all? No. 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 Audio only. Because uh, I want to tell but, the listeners at home, or maybe they're listening to this in their car, or maybe they're in prison listening to this. Mm -hmm. um, we're on a visual Zoom call right now, and all these guys, all all these podcasters. They have these great backgrounds, these great, uh, you know, mm. sort of uh, fantastic virtual backgrounds. Yeah, green screen backgrounds, and and they didn't warn me. They didn't tell me that was a thing, and so I have this bland Airbnb looking uh, house sitting background. And um, well, I'm just relieved to know that this isn't a visual podcast, so that no one can kind of judge me for this. Right, and we we could actually we would we would have applied a virtual background on you in post. It would have like yeah. cut you out frame rotoscoped by frame. It. <laughs> yeah, rotoscoped yeah, it. Yeah, rotoscoped it. That would have taken like 24 consecutive hours of work, but yeah, <laughs> whatever. I think it would have been worth yeah. it. Uh, I don't move that much. I try to conserve my energy. There is mm -hmm. a sort of uh, esoteric survival strategy called do easy. Oh. And so every movement in your body, DE, they call it. Every movement in your body should just be kind of natural and easy. Mm -hmm. Unless you're at a movie theater watching uh, Moneyball. Then your 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 leg is going up and down, shaking, yeah. shaking at the at the uh, at the sports uh, the intersection of sports and math. You're mm. you're so tense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, tying tying back to the story of what you were saying before is I mentioned earlier on the podcast, like a couple episodes ago, about so I had like a thousand followers or whatever. I was starting to see what like that social media like you know, Kurt from Spree, like, look at me, attention-seeking vibe yeah. was. And uh, I saw uh, Ingrid Goes West, the Aubrey Plaza social media type film yeah. in um, Bushwick at this, like, it's like a cheap Nighthawk uh, syndicated. It's like... It's yeah, like sure, a, I've been there. I know it sure. is. It's a bar and they have a movie theater in the background. In the back. Right, exactly. It's like a massive so nice bar seats. with a tiny shitty movie. I watched uh, I watched World Cup there like two years ago, three years ago. Mm. Sure. I yeah, I saw like the Emmys there once. But um so I used to live around there and I saw it there and I had moments where like I was laughing really hard at parts of the movie and the people next to me, it was just like because it's like they probably aren't engaged with like 
the influencer culture on the same level. So tying back to what you were saying, it's like the satire that some people get it. Some people don't either way. They're watching a movie that they're there to enjoy, but like the niche can like community. It's I've always been into that type of world where it's like, even if only like 50 people really get what I'm saying, if those 50 people like fucking love it and the other people like, like it, but they're not like fully in on the joke totally worth like investing the time and like creating that type yeah, of thing. I think the thing about a meme, right. And like, so I'm pretty, uh, savvy to that, uh, mm. culture <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a meme, memeing is kind of like a cult film, right? Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, for the audience that gets it, there's a very specific sort of like referential language, you know, usually cult films are, have a very unique tone and not, you know, you have a referential tone or a sort of like darkness to them or a certain humor or a certain horror sensibility. That's not normal. And same thing with memes, right? Memes inherently are referential to other parts of culture. And if you don't have those contextual reference points, the meme will have a limited amount of value to you to it, but also the proliferation, right? The idea of memeing, right? Is this sort of a proliferation idea and um, the fact that, you know, let's say you have a thousand people in America who get what you're doing, but then a hundred people in every other country in the world, that'll probably add up to like 200,000 people. Right. That's actually mm-hmm. not good math, mm-hmm. but <laughs> that's not the right math. I'm, I'm right. simply not going to question your math skills and I'm just going to yeah, agree yeah, with yeah. you. Don't ever dare question this math. <laughs> no. math um, I have an English degree. I don't even, I can't add numbers. Yeah, so it's it too hard. <laughs> Um, so I, I, uh, I, I watched your film, I binged four of them in a row and I did two double features and it actually ended up being quite a good watching experience because I feel like I, cause I watched them in release order. Okay. I I started with a wonderful cloud and I double featured that with wobble palace. Yeah. And then the next day I did spree and we are one after the other. And I think both, and I didn't even realize that this would happen, but both of those sets of films complement each other so well based on their themes. Um, So I kind of wanted, like I was interested in talking about them like in order like that, because like you you see shit like gestating, you know, between each film and like the through lines that all of them have together. But especially... Uh, I'm 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 already off. I'm jump, I'm just I'm <laughs> popping off right now. Yas queen. We I do. went to film school. You know I I know what I'm talking about here. Cool. We want to hear it. Uh huh. <laughs> so I wanted to see what you thought about like uh, between a wonderful cloud and wobble palace. They seem like sibling films. Um, right. D- when you were making wobble palace, how much were you thinking about? what you worked on for a wonderful cloud. Uh, I just didn't want to repeat myself, you know, cause there's, so they're both like kind of like anti-relationship uh, comedies, mm-hmm. you know? So like a uh, wonderful cloud, which I guess I made in 2014 and came out in 2015 is about exes yep. who are friends at, like years after they broke up and are spending a friendly weekend together Um, but obviously there's a lot of buried baggage between the couple and it was, uh, myself and Kate Scheel 
and who's a really great actress and a really great person mm-hmm. and whose house I'm actually staying at right now. A bit of a, bit of a role she's reversal a, there. She's a really great person because <laughs> she's letting me house sit her awesome fucking house. Uh-huh. Um, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was it, and you know, we used some elements from the relationship that we had in the past, not just, we used some video elements too, right. but we also just used this sort of shorthand we'd had, you know, we had this breakup and we had this very short, but like kind of meaningful connection. And, um, you know, that was kind of the grounding for the things we were exploring in the film. Obviously, many of the emotions were, you know, fictionalized and dramatized and stuff, but there's stuff that, you know, we were going through feelings. And I think that's valuable in that movie. Mm -hmm. And then Wobble Palace is a kind of like, you know, relationship on the verge of a toxic breakup, you know, kind of vibe. And you know, kind of like the inverse opposite element where like the couple should really, really break up, but for reasons, both sort of like financial, mostly financial, like they want to maintain the house together, but also probably emotional that they don't want to deal with. Um, they kind of force themselves to stay together and kind of, you know, uh, fuck around right. each other through the auspices of an open relationship. And right. um, so when I, when I mean wobble, I just, you make these films because I made these films because I had no money, very little money. And it's way easier to incorporate elements of your life. When you have no money, that becomes a resource right. because, it's, yeah. you know, your house, your yeah. friends, your stupid car, your gratty neighborhood, your mm-hmm. whatever. It just becomes, if you can find interesting ways to explore that then um, and dramatize it, then it can be funny and fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, again, I was just examining, um, a type of modern relationship that I had noticed around me. Look, I, I, for a wonderful cloud, I was like, I'm friends with a lot of my exes. I know people who are really tight with a lot of their exes. I haven't really seen that really in a rom-com. Usually when you have exes in a rom-com, they show up in the same room and they hate each other. They're like, what is this fucking asshole doing here? Get him out of here or something. It's like, I don't have, I, I don't really have that relationship with most of my exes. Um, and then for Wawa Palace, I just noticed a lot of my friends were couples. The second they started living together, they started hating each other's guts and yeah. they started breaking up <laughs> and moving out. Um, sorry, Jeff, if that's happening for you or Will. Well, we moved in together during the pandemic. Like in the beginning of the pandemic, she came to my apartment uh, right. where I had one roommate in Ridgewood. And yeah, right. uh, we were there for like three weeks and my roommate was still like coming and going from work. And her roommate left and went like upstate. So no one was at her place. So we like relocated over here and my lease ended in September. So like the plan, I just, you know, ended up moving in here after, but we had been quarantined together since like March. And are you splitting Um, the rent? uh, We're splitting the rent. Yeah. Um, Be honest. You're splitting the rent. (laughs) We are splitting the rent. Okay, that's, that's, that's hey, good. Jeff, can you that's grab good. a copy of your lease real quick? I just want to see wh- whose yeah. name is on the lease. I'm not on the lease, I, but you're splitting the I rent. Was asked, I was asked if I wanted to be, and there was no reason uh, to be on it. Mm-hmm. But so you uh, think, we're, we're good. We, uh, you know, we've been. Hey, no, hey, hey, I was just fucking kidding. I hope. No, no, but I hope it was good. a concern. <laughs> it was a concern. Like, because 
I was down, I moved into my previous apartment a year before and I was down to move in together then, but her roommate at the time was in grad school and it just didn't like work out. You know how horny grads get when they're studying all night. You don't want to be put in a situation where the horny roommate is, uh, you know, sexually uh, taking advantage of you while your partner is sleeping. You're in the living room. You're watching Matlock or whatever. Your partner is sleeping. She's got a full-time job as a psychiatrist. You're sitting on the couch. She's a therapist, yeah. Grad student comes home from the 24-hour library. She's horny as a mule. And she is uh, ready to make some very important, some very powerful moves on you that you will not be able to resist. And, and then that would probably ruin your relationship. It definitely would this, drive a wedge. We can work on a, we can work on a screenplay for this idea. I know oh, no, that's, um, that's, as, that's as far as the idea goes. We're done with that. We'll buy the, we'll buy the intellectual property. We'll buy you. the story, original story. If you guys want to that, I'm very flexible. I okay. mean, I come up with like 50 ideas like that a day. Like I can sell that one. To you. I can sell that one to you guys for one and a half grand. Okay. Sounds good. There's our, Will, Will Ferrell's yeah. already got interest in it. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, it's almost well, off the market. about a wonderful cloud, you know, that it's going back to kind of like meme culture is so when we were putting that movie out my friend came up with uh this really cool website uh called clone zone and what clone zone did is you were able to put in any url into there and it would completely copy the website that you the url you put in and then you could do whatever you wanted to that website. You could change the header. You could right. change the pictures. And it wasn't through um, HTML. There wasn't any coding involved. It was literally click and paste mm-hmm. and, uh, you know. Yep. And it was amazing. And right around that time, we were releasing A Wonderful Cloud. And, and you know, it was through a very small distributor that wasn't going to give me any money for promotion. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to write the, like, biggest most like the best fucking coverage you could ever give this movie yeah and so i um made a hollywood reporter article and, and again i went to hollywoodreporter.com i copied the front page on that day uh, or went to like the you know the main article from the front page all the sidebar was the real hollywood reporter yeah. all the advertisements were the real advertising they all linked to the proper places and then the article it's like oh you just replace the headline with the same font the same verbiage the yeah. same sort of rules of style uh-huh. that they had and then i wrote an article that um the movie wonderful cloud had been optioned for a remake <laughs> with 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 dustin hoffman and meryl street <laughs> Reprising <laughs> their role from Kramer versus Kramer, yeah. and it was going to be put out by Warner Vantage, uh-huh. which sounds like a real company but wasn't. Yeah, it and does. All these real execs were commenting on it, yeah. and they, they're not real execs. And then I was making some kind of, and my producer Christian and did it, and it was about them actually investigating uh, corruption at a nursing home that they both lived at. Yeah, uh, that was actually <laughs> the plot line. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and a lot of people believed it. I got a phone call in. from my lawyer. I got, uh, you know, I had a weirdly had a lawyer um, off of showing it at South by. Yeah. And um, she said, how did you make this deal without me? I got, <laughs> fucking, I got, I got meetings at Annapurna at 824, um, which were then canceled when they found out it was fake. Oh like, no. <laughs> That's hilarious. This I, is they're, like they're an early example. They're fucking dumb. They, sh- they shouldn't have canceled the meeting. They should have asked me to fucking run their marketing department. That's what I'm saying. Um, right. Um, this and is an early example also, of disinformation on the internet. Well, this was, was, was great. On my though, website, for that. I call this the fir- a first in fake news because that went viral. And then I made a few more articles that were like, um, 
you know, uh, box office mojo, highest grossing uh, single theater independent film of all time. I made the distributors, like they're so small, they couldn't get me a run in New York. They could get me one screening. So then I made a page six New York Post thing that said the movie was banned in New York. It was too too, uh, naughty and toxic and transgressive. And the New York City uh, uh, Deputy of Cultural Affairs, which is a fake thing. Like I got a quote from him. And um, it was all good. And I actually did one where Kate gave an interview to New York Magazine which was um, about how I blackmailed her into being in the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and then she, and I asked her to post it and she posted it. And literally in the first five minutes, like a bunch of people calls her being Holy like, what the fuck? fuck? Are you okay? This guy is a total piece of shit. And Kate's like, I really want to take this down. And I said, can you please leave it up? This is really good. She's like, She's like, no, I'm taking it down. So for, for five minutes, that was up. Wow. Um, and so I mean, it was, it, that predates me too, by about th- two and a, a half three years and it also was like you know fake news before there was fake news <laughs> wow really it cutting like a, edge it's, stuff it reminds me of like jack, jack wagner like social viral stunt to like well, blow guess you what know. guess what any any specific jack wagner thing you're thinking of uh, i mean he did, he did like the, foods, right? the mural he did like the mural for his tv show like you had to have like before he a had a amount of followers before he had his tv show but when he was making all those starter packs I connected with him. It's actually the first time it's ever going to be publicly. It's the first time anyone will ever know about this. So I'm just going to, oh, wow. you guys Pod are exclusive. Exclusive. Um, I knew someone who worked at, um, Snapchat. Was it Snapchat or Instagram stories? I don't remember. It was, it was stories basically. And someone who worked at one of these stories places, friend of mine, she, Maritza, she um, said, you know, like, could we do something cinematic with this? And I said, yeah, let's figure it out. So, and I said, I said, we should cast this guy because he's like actually like internet funny, Jack. Mm-hmm. And we did this whole thing that everyone thinks is real, but it's actually completely fake with this actress from Pretty Little Liars named Troy and Belisario, where basically she lost her like duffel bag on like a trail, hiking trail. And then we had Jack find it. And inside the duffel bag was her phone and three VIP passes to Coachella behind the scenes passes. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh shit. Like I wanted to get this to you, but like, uh, I'm on my way to Coachella now. And she's like, my passes are in there. And he's like, I'm going to use them. And like, and she said, don't use them. And he's like, I'm going to post to your fucking account. Oh my God. And so he posted all this stuff to her story as himself. Like, you know, like fucking all these DJs and shit. And then she's like, well, it looks like you're having a really good time, blah, blah, blah. And then he brought her the duffel bag back the next day. And it was like, kind of this like fairy tale thing where like a random plebe like goes and has a great time with Zed and all these fucking DJs I've never heard of. And, um, and then gives the, the, the stuff back to the famous celeb and they meet each other and hug. And it was covered by like MTV and the guardian and like eat, entertainment weekly and all the people all this fucking shit and everyone thought it's like real life fairy tale and all this shit and literally there was no money behind there's no there's no it's actually obviously not that cool or anything yeah but just on a level of like getting quote-unquote organic coverage for something as a fairy tale there's no like pr no publicity person no agent knew about this and no one's ever known about it but it was like this weird thing that for i think a certain group of 
crappy entertainment writers and a bunch of teenage fans was like a really viral thing. Yeah. Um, sure. So, and so it's I like, know, I know Jack. Yeah, pretty yeah. Well. yeah. Jack's awesome. Jack and I uh, became friends like around that era, like during like when he was making memes and stuff like that, we met. But have uh, you ever seen him naked? I've never no. seen him naked. Um, <laughs> Neither have I. Someday. Pending. Maybe. Pending. Um, That's a true test of friendship, though. I realized, though, like, I, I feel like I saw... Have you seen each other naked? No, I saw... No. So, like, when I was in I've college... in real life? I don't, no, know, I don't know who any of these people are. We all live in the same <laughs> yeah, neighborhood. Exactly. Pre-pandemic, we recorded... Uh, we, we used to record IRL uh, every week. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, but, but now that it's now that it's through Zoom, your autism's all really shown. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty Dude, bad. Now <laughs> you really sound like my partner. Um, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't fall in love with me. All right, I'm taking. <laughs> Whoa, well, yeah, see. gentlemen, gentlemen, but, uh, yeah, we'll save it for after the Jack podcast. Wagner, like, yeah, Jack and I, we we became friends around that period of time, and Jacob and I went and saw like one of his podcasts recorded at this bar in Brooklyn, and like talking in person but that like whole idea of like like doing like a viral stunt that like takes your projects further and is like you know completely planned and thought like thought about beforehand it's like really the real life version of like the Nathan for you shit working before Nathan Fielder even made that, like come up with some like brilliant scheme that seems ridiculous, but it works like, like, right. Backwards. You know, I don't know. I, I think that shit's like brilliant. Uh, if you could pull it off, some, some people try to do it and it's like totally obvious. It's like a publicity yeah. stunt or some shit, but Jack's yeah. really fucking good at it. Um, like that mural thing was, everywhere and it was even before his show was announced i feel like it was just like all over la news and shit there's like a tent what, what with like a bodyguard it was the sign of ugly angel wings but it like it said was, you had to be you had to be you had to have be verified checkmark influencer to take pictures in front of it right i i think you needed 20k i think you needed 20k followers yeah to do it um and they had like a bodyguard that was like would check your stories before that and you know jack he did the he he was like a host with uh with cam for complex and they did the whole like mcdonald's rave thing which is like one of my favorite jack wagner like youtube what is the mcdonald's rave thing so jacob can you pull this up in the uh in the share together on youtube it's like type like jack wagner mcdonald's Donald's complex or something. It was for complex. Yeah. And, what about for the um, viewers? They're not going to be able to see any of this. this is, they'll this they'll hear it. The audio, the audio is good. They'll know. Um, the audio is the, great. That's there's like a sh- there's like a shot in it, so it's like McDonald's. We'll watch it. We'll watch it. Uh, I searched. Oh wait, is it? It's. I found a tweet that says, "No cap, me and its campaign went back to back with McDonald's and Complex News at the it. six a.m. rise and rave." Mm-hmm, the rise and rave. All right, it's on Twitter, so let me pull it that's, up on Twitter. That's the move. It's you know, it's like a short enough clip that it was like posted on Instagram. Yeah, before, yeah so. the McDonald's rise and rave. I do remember that, but it was, it was they really did it through McDonald's or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 100%. did right. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, they that, they did this the complex victory. thing about that's it. That's the victory when you can kind of exploit the existing brand to make fun of it, but then still make money off of it. I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah. And I mean, they were probably, they probably got mad free shit off of it. Like just like food, even like, you know, shit like that. It's like influencer type things. You could probably like, I mean, I'm sure McDonald's doesn't last. Swag like free nuggets, but this is very late in the game. This is December 15, 2018. This is very late. No, no. I think he's he's like resharing it from the past. Maybe. Here, play the clip because this shit is fucking. Uh, this this again. looks very Jack and Cam back triple stacks from M. This week, McDonald's has make remixed oh, yeah, the game for by sure. hosting the Ryzen Rave to celebrate the brand new triple stack breakfast sandwich. And uh, <laughs> you're gonna wanna <laughs> taste. <laughs> Mickey D's is in sicko mode, bringing the Skrillex to the skillets. Oh, even though it's a Skrillex to the skillets. Turn the club into a mosh pit, and if you don't believe me, just watch. I'm here on the red carpet. Strapped up with the vips and the drips, triple stacks on deck, Patron on ice. And at McDonald's, <laughs> you can have whatever you like. Just like electronic music, McDonald's believes in mixing genres. That's why this the, is the best scene, like the filming of this. Patties for the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the key bump of sugar in the coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Literally it's perfect. I like, I messaged Jack like two months ago just to tell him like, yo, I rewatched this and the key bump sugar coffee, it's perfect. Like you need to make a TV show with Cam Tang. And uh, we talked, we, talk, we like reconnected about it, but well, that Cam, Tang, Cam Tang is one of the guys that, um, adult swim. So if they wanted to make a TV show, I don't think it would be that hard. Yeah. I mean, we, he was one of the exact, he's a, he's a really funny guy too. I mean, I think what's good about that McDonald's thing, right. Is that, um, and again, it's a little late in the game, like December 15, 2018, but it is clearly just like this, you know, high level critique of the way that, you know, cor- around 2017, 2016 corporate and brand culture started like appropriating online culture, meme culture, mm-hmm. Twitter, yeah. using stupid like slang and stupid kind of like mm-hmm. whatever. Was it like Wendy's was the big first one or something? Wendy's all, Twitter. Or yeah, they, they, well, they all hire these firms to do it for them. Like these fucking firms yeah. do like, all the social for like all these fucking brands. It's all like the same people. See, I need I need that job. That's the job. I'm no, dude, do. don't do. Sorry, that. it's over. It's it's actually beyond corporatized now. You're not gonna. There's oh, not I gonna know. be like any independent hotshot is gonna show up with his 41k followers. Me, like, <laughs> I got the solution for you guys. They already have like a farm inside. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like for like three or four years ago, I have a friend who used to do it for Gushers, who's kind of like a meme type like internet presence but she talked to me about it and um she was like you know like she consulted me like for some memes like i helped her do like one of those like wow queens like with like max and fucking roxanne from goofy movie and uh they did it for gushers but she was saying like she has the idea and then it takes so long to get up the corporate chain and get approval that by the time yeah. By the time it gets posted, the shit's irrelevant. It's like, yeah. come on, you need to worry so, about that after. So after that thing I did with Jack, I also did this other one um, that is like so. I actually did get paid for it, and it was so a very weird idea, and it had no traction at all. Which was uh, there was I was hired by a nonprofit organization um, <laughs> um, to support the. Um, 
refugee Olympic teams. First time they ever had a refugee Olympic oh, team. Oh, yes, right. Uh, people who were refugees who were, you know, um, in between nations who had left their nation. Mm-hmm. I myself am a refugee, so I felt qualified to do that. Okay. Um, and I created a refugee team super fan called Refugee Guy 11. You could definitely look that up on Instagram. Refugee he has Guy about, 11. He has, about, he has about 100 followers. And he was really, really, really bad at social media. And the joke is that he would be making really, really, really basic and unfunny and unsuccessful memes uh-huh. and in support of the team. And his, his love of the team was authentic, but his attempts to blow them up were really bad. And I thought somehow that if you would see this sort of anti-humor, this sort of failed memes, um, it could go viral just due to the failed memes. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It didn't because they were so bad. <laughs> um, but I do think that, that that character, Refugee Guy 11 character, that um, I worked with this actor to create these videos and stuff, and I made most of the memes. This guy, Nick Corrosi, who's kind of an unsung genius, um, he did the... Um, um, do you guys remember, like, there was, like, a weird hoverboard troll um, mm-hmm. a fake hoverboard uh, Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he did that, and he also did um, a thing where they leaked the Dark Knight Rises ending, where uh, Bane uh, chops off Batman's head and then sucks his own dick with Batman's decapitated head. Um, and <laughs> That's but it the was director's just, cut, right? But it was filmed like in a movie Snyder theater. Cut. It was yeah. filmed in a movie theater on a smartphone, like someone bootlegging it. Yeah. And it was like looked really real. Yeah. Um, and it was before the movie came out. They were just using the Bane like kind of vibes from the trailer and they recreated it. It was very funny. But, um, so he's a bit of a genius. So we did that project together. But anyway, the, that the character, Refugee Guy almost is like, was a test run, dry run for Kurt from Spree. Mm-hmm. You know? Just to sort of really, someone who's really doesn't get how social media works doesn't get definitely doesn't get memes and stuff, but just doesn't get like social media or how to have a brand or right. how to go viral. And so when he comes up with his great idea for, um, you know, the lesson for basically going viral by killing people uh-huh. and live streaming it, um, that's like his big breakthrough. Yeah. You know, well, it's his character is really interesting, especially in the beginning of the film, because like, I feel like most people in real life, like when they get big on social media, the real draw is is like the the feedback loop of like you make a post, it goes viral, you get attention, you want to do it again, of course, right? It's pretty pretty yeah. straightforward. Mm-hmm. He spends almost the entire film with no one watching his stream, right. and yet he's still even more obsessed. <laughs> With, right. with his project well, than most there people. There are people like that. There's like yeah. a million review bras that never made it that have been like yeah. vlogging, like vlogging for like 12 years that get right. like 200 like views. But I, yeah, so this conversation has <laughs> spurred me to think of this. Uh, Eugene, what do you think of this? Like with this whole like secret strat, like like strategy, viral strategies and mixing like identity and VR and AI and stuff like that. What do you think about how deep fakes and things like that are going to play into all of that shit in the future? Cause that's for sure. Deep fakes are like 
getting more and more. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be fine. It'll be all be fun. Everything is fun. Everything that's going on, like the sort of destruction of identity and codes and communication stuff. It's just something for, uh, me as an artist to observe and comment on. And, um, I think they're all very, you know, um, problematic and fun and complicated things. I think, you know, identity has always been a construct and the way we communicate has always been dependent on technology and technology from writing, you know, writing is a technology, right? Writing mm-hmm. changed the oral tradition and, you know, re- like mechanical reproduction changed our ability to mass communicate and, you know, television and radio kind of live hot mediums, right? They, they change the way we understand like information and human communication. So deep fakes, you know, like whatever, or, or like, you know, an AI musician or an AI teacher or an AI lover or whatever it is, you know, it's just going to change the way we understand our identity, the way we understand communicating, communicating with, you know, ourselves. And I mean, again, writing is a symbolic form of communication. Interacting with a deep fake is a different symbolic form of communication. Both of those are getting a mediated communication article, right? Like the deep fake is a symbol of like the real thing that you were getting filtered through like some other person's perspective of that. Right. It's like a, it's like a being John Malkovich, like IR, like virtualized IRL mm-hmm. or something. Um, and is the image of the person enough? Like maybe that's good enough. Maybe that's enough for a fan. For instance, listen to this. Um, to promote Spree, you know, we made a Kurtz World 96 Instagram account. It, mm-hmm. it became extremely popular, you know, has doubled the amount of followers as your meme page, Jeff. I how saw. I follow, I'm, I'm a follower myself. How, I'm a follower. How, of how about, exactly. So, look, part of the reason it became popular is because many, many, many of the followers believe that they are interacting with Joe Keery in mm-hmm. character playing Kurt, right. or maybe even just Joe Keery himself. Yeah. Right. Which is not the case. They are interacting with me. <laughs> yeah. so um and 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 i felt a really great res- grave uh sort of responsibility because i understand the sort of like primacy that social media holds in people's lives and the way that movies you know no longer do that especially for young people and i said there's going to be a lot of people who a lot of kids who interact with this meet this account this cultural account who don't even watch the movie so I right. felt a responsibility in the arc. That was almost like making a second movie on social media. The arc of that account had to get across a similar message as the film, which is that people should interrogate and reflect on their relationship to their virtual identities and to their addiction to being sort of acknowledged primarily through social media. And Kurt, you know, on that account went through a similar journey where he was desperate for views and likes and followers, desperate for following. Then he eventually got it, just like in the movie. 
And then the thing that was different in the account is that he wasn't satisfied, right? He wanted more. And so once you get 4,000, you want 40,000. And mm-hmm. once you get 40,000, you want 4 million. And it's of never course. good enough. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Kurt on the Kurtzwell 96 account constantly felt that inadequacy and constantly, and I was really foregrounding that so that it would be really clear to the followers. And they felt bad for him. And then some of them would DM him and I would say, you know, I would investigate the person and if they seemed sort of mentally stable and like adult enough to have a conversation. I would have conversations with them and sort of like hammer home some of these points. And, 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 and then I would post those conversations to Kurt's stories. And mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it's a really fascinating project. Yeah. And yeah it's crazy. It, it almost makes me, it's like, it makes me think making the connection. Cause I brought up deep fakes. It's like how the future of catfishing can be affected by deep fakes. Like people taking on this, like, virtual identity and now with this type of shit they can actually like do video of being people that they envision themselves as or that they're taking on as like a character uh it's kind of yeah. fucking have crazy you guys ever been, have you guys ever been catfished i have we did no. an episode with uh oh yeah Con- connor tripler um who's like a twitter dude very funny guy uh where him and i were both catfished by like the same person in the same like niche online last FM community and uh, how Connor actually like ended up knowing who the real person was. And very few people do because they also had like a fake viral like thing where they were like, like uh, a witch house, like rapper called Gucci Hoochie. We go all so into it with, with Connor, but yeah, Connor and I were catfished by the same person. And, you know, yeah, I would yeah. have like phone calls with them and talk to them like daily. And they, what was the phone call situation? Like did it, phone sex. The, the phone. Yeah, there was like that. Therapy sessions. Therapy sessions. Gucci. You thought Gucci Hoochie or Coochie? It was uh, it was like G V C C I H V C C I. But okay, so Gucci, that, you thought Gucci Hoochie was a, a girl. So uh, that's like a music project. She's like was the singer, and someone else did the music. But right. she, I, I didn't meet her through that. I met her through this like Last FM community, and she like start like did that after I had already met her. Right, but apparently, but it's like a pattern. On the phone, you were mm-hmm. talking to a woman, correct? Yes. So, so it was a woman who was doing the catfishing. Right. I wasn't catfished by a, a man, just a woman who pretended to be a different woman, like posted pictures of a different person. And, and then like, did you have to identity. find out who the real woman was? I heard. So like years later, like things still come out. She's kind of like a viral like thing. Her wait, 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 wait. Do you think, why was she catfishing you? To just fuck with you? To troll? Or do you think... You know, because there's different reasons for catfish. I, for by the yeah. way, I've been catfished. I don't know how many times, at least a few. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you you're know, just a trusting motives. person, Eugene. That's all it is. What'd you say? You just you, you you're just a trusting person. You leave it I all am, the line. I am. I'm completely Sometimes people take advantage, and I completely um, am excited by the idea of meeting a person through the medium of you know, like virtual identity and social media and all mm-hmm. that. And there's something very exciting about it. And there's something very like, you know, like completely committed and also like weirdly non-committal about it until it is become until it becomes real. And there's also something, you know, projected. Like you have a there's a projection of a fantasy of a of a ideal 
that you have that it cannot be, you know, dissipated by an IRL interaction. And so that's kind of appealing and whatever. There's all sorts of difference, but there's a re- there's reasons why people do it. Mm-hmm. So right. I can, I can like fill in the, the psychological analysis of the context. Cause I, I know why this person. Yeah. Why? So like th- there was like a private, like group on last FM. So this is all built around like, influencer music taste this girl had like a blog that was popping off she kind of like blew up some bands but it's all around this fake identity and within this group she would like kind of control everybody like she would block people or like kick them out of the group very like dictatorish and she would like pit boys against each other like she would talk shit about like this one dude to me as like her real life ex and he was also in the group. So then it's like between me and him, there's like weirdness. Cause I think she's like talking to me, but she's like utilizing all these like boys who have like cool hipster music taste and like having like phone sex with them and acting like she's talking to them. It was all very attention seeking. Like, well, wait, 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 was it attention seeking or was she actually engaging in some sort of highly manipulative um, entrepreneurial um, scheme where she was actually attempting to exert um, a sort of influence over who would be successful and then using, exploiting other people to do. I mean, the second one sounds way more um, cool and interesting and, sure. um, and, and, and smart than like just the attention seeking one, which is, I think, very common. Right. But based on the way it played out, uh, she didn't like take it anywhere. The blog like dissolved. There's like rumors that she like died or who she was. She didn't like take it to any place. So I don't think that was the intent. Like she could have, if she was thinking about it that way, for sure. Like she could have like kept growing the blog and kept the persona going honestly. But down the line I heard, cause there were people in the community that, you know, it was probably like, like 30 people in this like fucking last FM group. And this is like 2009, 2010, like still like niche with, yeah, kind of like social yeah, media, kind of early catfishing um, for sure. That was the kind of she, she's probably a really successful person right now, or in a mental institution. It's really well, one of the two. Connor it's a says he stuff. still knows he still knows her, and like she's all right, and she's doing whatever. She's all like, right? No, not all right. But <laughs> no. she's like she's like a normal person, not do like catfishing people now. But like like a couple years later, like someone that was in the community that I knew, this girl in Texas, was like, oh, like. I found out that she was just like this totally different person than the picture she posted. And she was just some girl that like worked at an urban outfitters, like, you know, just some like random person that wanted to take on this like influencer identity, probably didn't feel comfortable in their own skin. Used like an avatar. Guess Guess what? Jeff, Aaron, Jacob, who feels comfortable in their own skin? Well, I agree. I don't. But what I'm I'm saying is like, it's a rhetorical question, right? Because very few people do. Uh And what social media offers is right. The possibility, the potential to suddenly feel comfortable in our virtual skin. And that involves um, completely modifying um, curating, you know, no, but also, also on a more kind of, um, culturally impactful level, um, your worldview, your um, morality, your attitude towards morals, 
and certain things become um, good, quote unquote, morally good, and other things become morally bad. And they have very little to do with real life. Um, and they have a lot to do with um, sort of social capital or clout chasing, you know? And I mean, that's what kind of spree is about. Mm-hmm. But I think we see it in all sectors of our sort of cultural um, interactions and our sort of, um, uh, I mean, it's it honestly seeped into politics in the same way that politics has seeped into kind of all aspects of culture. This, this virtualized sort of um, cap- cultural capital has seeped into all aspects of culture and it makes people not themselves. It makes people um, extremely fake, extremely judgmental, extremely um, holding others up to really high standards and not really examining themselves because they can only see their virtualized sort of projected self, mm-hmm. right? The sort of image that they put out there. But then when they look at everyone else, they try to find like, you know, little little holes in the armor of the virtualized self that others are projecting. And yeah. it's a, and it's a very, uh, I don't want to say a dangerous game, but it is a very uh, deleterious game. It, it, it creates a fake, really fake constructed culture. And that's what we're living in right now uh, because right. we don't feel comfortable in our skin because we come, because people are made by capitalism and by advertising to actually feel really, really insecure about their existence. And usually mm-hmm. for a hundred years, we funneled that into consumption habits. And then, you know, internet culture promises freedom of information freedom of consumption in a way, right? Like, like the Napsterification of our kind of entitlement to consumption. Yeah, free right. consumption. And um, people then started channeling their insecurity and anxiety and discomfort about themselves, not into consumption culture, but into sort of virtual identities, into virtualizing who they are. And this has incredibly different repercussions that then, you know, buying a fucking video game or clothing or makeup or a car. I mean, the the repercussions of channeling all of our anxiety and self-hate that the culture creates into these virtualized versions of ourselves is um, really really bad. Yeah, and I mean, that's like literally what's happening now. And it's been interesting to see like, from that like catfish experience 2009 2010 we're in like a roundabout way on like a weird social media situation which was more like a web forum than anything um like someone like creating this persona in pursuit of like attention and how that's gone and i can even pinpoint like i was into like weird twitter around then and trying to do my thing and like Posting, that was the first place I tried to like do some type of internet viral shit and it never took off. And I like left weird Twitter, like stopped using Twitter altogether. But I remember a, a good You're friend a of mine. Uncle Jeff. <laughs> well, a good friend of mine, he so we call would get, him now. He would get After like, watching spree. like a bunch of uh likes on his Facebook statuses. This is like maybe 2011, 2012, right. for writing like stupid, dumb shit where he just like put on this like persona of like i'm a moron that doesn't get anything but it it was like a highbrow lowbrow thing and i was like man that's what you need to do you need to be like very self-aware and 
like dumb yourself down like 500% but reference things that are kind of highbrow and I kind of like put together this like am I what still friends with that guy oh yeah this is my oldest friend we've been friends since first grade yeah yeah um and he doesn't perceive uh probably we lived together uh in a big house in orlando for a couple years but um he he everybody gets naked in orlando he's a musician like he doesn't pursue the internet culture shit like he's a fan but he's not like trying to amass followers and at the time he wasn't either but like i was like that's interesting because that's very funny and it's like building a character and a persona and that's kind of how i started my, I I think one of my early memes on my Instagram, like if you go back to when my personal account became a meme account, there's like a post explaining like the formula. It's like, all you have to do to be successful on the internet is like pick a reference, like this type of reference, this type of reference, dumb down your IQ 30 30 points and be like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one of the things, there's a bunch of ways to be successful on the internet. Maybe one way is to be like, a hot uh, chick or something. Well, sure, maybe, of course. Maybe another course. way. Maybe another way is to foreground experiences of uh, victimhood and trauma that you have that can uh, sort of garner you uh, empathy. Maybe another way is to point out um, an injustice that's going on that you are privy to, that you are calling out. Maybe well, I, I also maybe watched. Way, um, maybe another way is to do something that's really, really provocative and could get you a sort of more fringe audience that isn't um, doesn't follow normal culture. And maybe one thing is just to be super creative and super funny and super artistic and just kind of double down on your own niche or something that's, like that. A lot that's of what I moved things. with. But I also, it's funny you say maybe that try, because maybe try teasing out your trauma. Hmm. Well, I I watched uh, that see, HBO Jeff doc needs that to just start came making out. those memes that are like when you're depressed and you can't yeah. wake up in the morning, smash that motherfucking light. <laughs> That's what yeah. I made That's what in I'm 2015. But th- I watched that <laughs> HBO doc that just came out, Fake Famous, where they like they like create online celebrities, like a team like buys them followers and buys them engagement, and they just like create these influencer. And they follow like three people and see how it goes. And it like works out for one of them. And the other two are like kind of like crippled by like the fakeness of it. And uh, it's really interesting, like the psychology behind all of it and what it does to a person. But you can even, you know, if you have money and you can like afford to keep buying followers and keep buying engagement, you know, it was like they bought like 7,000 followers for like 150 bucks. If you oh, are man. think about all those Robin Hood losers who could have hundreds of thousands of followers. I had one small question. I'm a huge yeah, yeah. Vanderpump Rules fan. Yeah. I wanted to know yeah. how you got in touch with Lala. Uh, we have a, spree. A spree, right? I love her. She's so funny. I love she's, her. She's awesome. Um, she just sent in an audition tape. We had a casting director who's like a real casting director, Rebecca Dealey. Uh-huh. Uh, my first time working with the casting director, which is super cool. And she's a super uh, talented person who, you know, set up a bunch of meetings with actors and also put out some casting calls for sort of more supporting characters, like the character that Lala played. Yep. And I got a tape from Lala. I also got a tape from Frankie Grande. Yeah. <laughs> they're great and together. They're, they're in the scene together with uh-huh. Misha Barton, right? And... Um, 
they were both so funny. Like I was like, I won't even have to direct them. Like oh, they, yeah. they totally just got it. Yeah. And I didn't have to direct them. In fact, I just encouraged them to improv and they did great improvs. Um, and I love those scenes. Like when, when Kurt says hashtag the lesson and then Frankie Grande said hashtag blessings. <laughs> yeah. Like that is so funny. That's one of my favorite so, lines in the movie. Yeah. And um, that was something that Frankie totally improv. Oh, I love that. Yeah. They're both camera ready at all times. They're, they are. They're, they're awesome. Great. Yeah. And um, I wish I had more scenes with them. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Spree um, too. It was great. Speaking of uh, spree Easter eggs, I, I like was watching your video with Vish, and you were talking about how he's the only actor that connects in your like trilogy, like Waddle yeah. Palace. We are, and he was like, "Yeah, but I'm not in Spree." But I did notice that his yeah. name is the author yeah. of the article at the end, and I was like, yeah, "The New Yorker article about Jesse Adams' uh, heroic rise to viral fame." Yeah, um, is written by Vishwam Bland. There That's you go. True. In there, um, I had her rewind it and pause it. And my girlfriend's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I need to make sure that I'm not like my eyes aren't playing tricks on me because if I bring it up and sound like an idiot during the oh, interview, no, it's, it's I'm going to feel stupid." Great, <laughs> you know, Spree's kind of the first movie that I made beyond. Actually, Zeros and Ones, my first movie, and Spree, I kind of made beyond like a core friend group. You know, I had to like crew up yeah. and get cat cast people that I didn't know, um, and. Um, I liked it. It was great. Making Spree was like fucking awesome and yeah. super. I felt super lucky, like shutting down the freeway and oh, doing yeah. stunts and working with David Arquette and like, you know, and Joe and Sashir and Misha Barton and all this stuff. And, um, you know, whatever, doing crazy stuff. I mean, we train dogs to attack people. Like, and one of those dogs is the name De Niro because he's a movie. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, um, dude. And, um, but also there's something to be said about just making movies with people that, you know, very well and that you trust a lot and that you in real life hang out with and just kind of like trying to figure out how to make like the most amazing possible movie. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, how do you make like a fucking blockbuster hit, like a fucking hit that isn't a superhero movie with like your friends. Like that's my life goal. I, I, I look, I'm like, but by no means like I live in a crappy studio apartment and like gladly house sit anytime someone who's actually successful lets me. Um, yeah, right. And so I'm not by any means like quote unquote successful really, you know? Um, but my goal in life is like, you know, to make a movie with people, with my friends, like really just my friends. Mm-hmm. That's just what I've noticed is movie. like oh, yeah. over the trajectory of your like filmography is you're, you're getting like, the craft is getting tighter. And I think like you're getting to the point where, you know, you write a script, you're getting so good at filmmaking that you're going to get to the point where the chemistry is there with your friends and you just make that movie with them. And you get to the right point. I really want to become good friends with Nick Cage. So I'm really trying to work with Nick Cage. <laughs> that's your, that's your, la- that's your white whale friend. You got to make friends with it's, Nick Cage. Then you'll, that's then you'll all be my good. Move. Like, honestly, that's what I really want to do. So I'm yeah. putting all my, all my energy, all my juju into that. Oh yeah. It's on my notes to bring that up. Cause I saw you talk about that in two videos and I wanted to say, so I don't, I don't know Nick Cage and it would be hard to figure out a way to go about like contacting him through this. But 
my cousin, it's like my third, my third cousin. Uh-huh. I'm like all my, my dad's cousin's son grew up <laughs> across the street from Nick Cage and was best friends <laughs> with him growing up. Wow. And when I went to when I went to California and stayed at uh, his mom's house, who's you know my cousin, but she's like an aunt because she's older. Uh, I looked through pictures from his bar mitzvah of like Nick Cage at his bar mitzvah as like a kid. That's hilarious. And I was like, are they still in contact? Is like, do Mark and Nick Cage like still talk? And I I think the thing is when I asked this, I was like in high school, and it's like, oh, a few years ago they like ran into each other on the street in Paris and like reconnected for a minute, but they don't really talk very often. There actually is a pretty bad, there actually is a pretty bad Nick Cage movie that I've only watched the first 15 minutes of called Zandali on Amazon prime. But in the first 15 minutes of that movie, Nick Cage does run into his old friend, judge Reinhold, his friend from childhood and they reconnect. And then Nick Cage desperately, not desperately, but Nick Cage sexily wants to uh, fudge judge Reinhold's wife. Who hates? Uh, There you go. I wonder if, if like the concept came from that in some way. Interesting. No, no, I'm sure Zandali is a really old, it's like 1991. So I, it sounds like they ran into each other in Paris maybe after that. It's possible. Maybe Nick Cage I mean, was like, this is just like Zandali. Just like Zandali, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, so now show me your slamming wife. Yeah, he's uh, like, damn, I, mean, I love a movie. Mark. Mark. <laughs> I don't know the timeline on when they ran into each other. See, that's where I'm like all mixed up on it because I haven't talked to this relative oh, in a while. True. You're but I'm curious. You, you had that combo when you were a teenager. Right, exactly. I, so well, like you know 2005, what? I had that conversation. didn't really write Zandali. So I, I know a lot yeah, of people out sure. there who aren't in movie land think that the actors make up the story and make up all their own lines and shit as they're, as they're on, 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 you know, it's all live. Um, but it's not how it works. Movie making. I'm trying right. to get, dip my toes into conspiracy, uh, cook in here. Yeah. You know? Hey, look, I'm really deep in that. And actually that's what I need to get back to right now. I got to go back to watching a uh, band dot video, Alex Jones. Uh, videos. Mm. You're like, I gotta go because I'm on Josh Citronella's podcast in a minute. Yeah, no, I'm, on, I'm, on, <laughs> uh, I'm on Prison Planet TV. Dude, um, hell yeah. Um, Infowars. <laughs> um, but it's been real nice talking with you, fellas. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you, you for coming on. Plug? Do you have anything you want to like plug real quick before you I mean, whatever. Out? People, most of my movies are free online. Like you can watch Spree on Hulu. You can go to my website, everybodyloves.me and um, Skydiver and uh, Wonderful Cloud and The Bald Palace. They're both on Amazon Prime. And uh, We Are is available uh, for free at www.weare.fyi. So people can check out all that stuff. They can trash it on Letterboxd. They can retweet how much they loved it. They can praise me to high heaven, follow me on Instagram, follow Kurt's World, whatever, all this bullshit. If people care, they'll figure it out. You know, I'm sure your audience is actually super savvy. I they was, know. They fucking, they all know you already anyway. I wasn't trying to be like a hater or anything before. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we are doing, uh, it, with the podcast, we are doing a contest. If you can get more kills than the protagonist of Spree, then no. we will give you one uh, hundred dollars in, in Amazon, in crazy Amazon gift cards. On GameCube. I do not, in crazy I do not endorse any violence. Let me just say this about this is a marketing scheme eugene contacted us about this is a paid promotion (laughs) don't listen i don't have any money to pay you i don't let me let me just say this about spree you know like 
and I hope your audience, since I know you guys all, all make memes and are really funny and all this shit, do watch it, you know, because it really yeah. is like a kind of dissection and critique for people who are in the know about social media. I think the movie works really mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, there's sort of like the parasocial, transactional nature of all of our interactions now mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, that's a movie that does not make violence seem very cool. You know, Kurt no. is like a living cringe compilation. Yes. Yeah. And I, again, I think people who are into memes and meme culture and stuff can appreciate cringe in a way that like most, you know, normies can't. Yeah. And so I encourage them to watch the <laughs> film, but I don't think anyone watching the movie is like, oh, now I want to go out and like kill. You oh, know, for, I think sure. Want to, yeah. for sure. I think that really what they want to say is now I want to go out and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, fuck my beautiful partner. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, hi- yeah. it's hyperbole or, 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 or for me with my beautiful hand. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, the one last thing I wanted to say is, uh, after watching all of your films and seeing all these parties, get togethers, shows that none of them really want to be at, I would kill to be in any of their shoes right now. I would kill to go to a shitty party at my friend's who, friend who I hate's house that I never want to hang hey, out look, with. Here's the deal, Aaron. Do you ever hear that COVID is a conspiracy? Maybe you should. Okay. It's, it's a 5G conspiracy. You know conspiracy. what? You got the brain, the, the gears in my brain spinning. I might just, yeah, I might just go to a shitty research. party. You know, there's a lot of researchers out there. There's a lot of truth seekers out there. Okay. Due diligence. Have a lot of interesting facts that don't come from the CDC. And I'll just leave it at that. You know, if you're dying to get social, there's a whole bunch of cool uh, teenagers and influencers uh, on YouTubers. TikTok who are ready to do it with you. Okay, and that sounds on, great. And that's on that's on Galaxy Brand. But yeah. first, do your own due diligence. Make sure you look at the numbers yourself. Exactly. Uh, and this isn't financial uh, advice. That's important to remember. As this well. is not financial <laughs> advice. It's also not medical advice. It's yeah. just. Uh, one it's, truth seeker, one truth seeker to another. Yes, and, this is vibes uh, advice. We're giving vibes just, advice. You know, you know, trust the plan, guys. That's all yeah, I gotta say. Uh, thanks, Eugene. Right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, it was Eugene. awesome having you. Very, very Thank fun. You. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. peace, guys. Bye. Until my, 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 my pillow got soaking wet This I believe I'm reaping what I sow Oh honey, I'm just a reaping what I've sow One day when I you said you're gonna need me just to come back home and uh, dry your eyes this I believe I'm reaping what I sow don't let me suffer no longer I'm just a reaping what I've sown What you do to someone you care?